0: Hi I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 233 of my podcast Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Last week we discussed veterinary medicines. Importantly they have a treatment period that should not be exceeded. Listen in to hear why and catch up with the rest of my beekeeping week. short and sweet a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span a beekeeper in fact just like me i'm delighted to say that our podcast is now sponsored in part by simon the beekeeper making beekeeping an affordable hobby for everyone simon the beekeeper provides the best value beekeeping equipment possible along with a super fast delivery service the bees won't wait so their customers don't have to either Visit the website at www.simonthebeekeeper.co.uk Hi everyone, it's November. So soon it seems. Is it an age thing perhaps? The weeks and months just seem to race by quicker and quicker. With that time warp feeling comes some good news and bad news. The good news from my beekeeping perspective is we've had an extended period of warmer weather throughout October that has now shortened that cold autumn-winter period by about a month or so. The bees have been as busy as me, if not busier, and all through October they've been out foraging and for the most part have succeeded in filling up on stores either from the ivy that seems to be abundant this year or from the syrup that we've been feeding them. Each week of slightly warmer weather we have does help the smallest of our colonies that, to be honest, should possibly have been united with other colonies, but I just couldn't bring myself to nip out another expensive queen. The issue we've had, and this forms part of the bad news, is that the wasps and hornets continue to play a major role in hassling our colonies and have wiped out quite a number of our smaller nukes that we set up way back in early September. As I've mentioned before, Wasps have been a menace this autumn, and I really messed up splitting colonies into nukes that then became vulnerable to robbing, mainly by those wasps. Some bees did join in to hasten the demise of those colonies, but the fault lies squarely with me, unfortunately, for creating the problem in the first place. As I've always said, if you're not making mistakes with your beekeeping, you're probably not learning a great deal. I know that's not entirely true, but you get what I mean, I hope. When you get things wrong, it can be a really positive learning experience. You just have to sit down and review what you did and why it went wrong. It's not necessarily the beekeeper's fault all the time. In other seasons, I may well have found those split colonies survived because there were less wasps and hornets attacking them. It's just one of those things that I can now put down to experience and hopefully learn from. What's not necessarily bad news, the speeding calendar also means the workload has been piling up a bit and we've had to get started on that so I don't get too far behind the bottleneck with the cleaning and sorting is still the grain store. We've not yet been able to move the spare equipment back in to start the repair and maintenance work because it's still full of farm and building equipment and supplies. I did bump into the farmer during the week at the grain store and I tried to explain the pressures we face and tried to encourage him to get the space cleaned out for us but when you're not paying anything to store kit in it it's difficult to make those kind of demands, really. Also, I don't think his farm manager is too keen on us invading his space. We just have to be patient and wait for the room to become available, I guess, and then get busy with all of the work that we need to do over the coming months. We're currently in a period of somewhat yo-yo weather. Last week saw some lovely sunshine, but it felt cooler than of late but we've also had some pretty heavy downpours. Not really heavy showers, but longer periods of rain that have kept us inside and away from the bees. The unsettled weather patterns are due to continue into next week, as it seems my prediction of cooler weather is set to be proven wrong with highs of 17 degrees Celsius forecast by those much more learned weather forecasters. What I really need are a few dry days so we can continue with the removal of all of the treatment strips that we put into our hives around eight weeks ago. This is a really important point for anyone just starting on their beekeeping journey so let's just spend a minute or two discussing why you need to get into the hive and get those treatments out. If you've ever purchased an authorised treatment for Varroa, the packet will have a wealth of information on it and, if like me, you sometimes feel instructions are there for other people, you might not have paid a great deal of attention to what was written on the box or packet. Maybe a quick glance to see how the treatment is put into the hive, but probably no more than that. I've been guilty of looking at instructions at the point where everything has gone wrong, that moment when you find several leftover screws or other fittings. Best not to dwell on that point. Suffice to say I've learnt and know I do read the instructions on most things before I get started. The bit we're most interested in at this point is the treatment period. The length of time the treatment should be in the hive and it varies depending on the treatment that you're using. For instance. I've recently talked about using Mitaway quick strips. These have a treatment period of just seven days, whereas the apistan we've placed in most of our hives this autumn have a treatment period of between six to eight weeks. So why is this important? Well, if we used all of the available treatments for just one week, as is the correct period for max, the majority of other treatments would be fairly ineffective. It's a costly mistake given just how much some of these treatments do cost and potentially devastating with the effect a rampant exponential population explosion of Varroa could have on your honeybee colony. So it's important to make sure that you leave the treatment in the hive for the correct amount of time to maximise the efficacy of the treatment, resulting in the maximum amount of varroa being removed from the bees, giving them a far better chance of surviving the long winter months. The other issue is one of the development of resistance in the varroa population to the treatment that you're using. Apistan is a very good example of a treatment that the varroa mite can build up resistance to, If the strips are left in the hive for a prolonged period of time. If you read the instructions for Apistan, it states quite clearly a period of six to eight weeks, no more and no less. This gives us the most effective treatment against the varroa, whilst at the same time minimizing the potential for the varroa to build up resistance to the active ingredient in the strips. Apistan has such a potential for this resistance that we have only ever used to treat our bees every four or five years. In the intervening years, we've always switched to other products with completely different active ingredients in order to minimise not only the risk to our bees, but also the ability of the varroa to build resistance. Here I'm thinking of other beekeepers. If I allow my colonies full of varroa to have apistan strips in them for the entire winter period, it most certainly will allow the varroa to develop resistance. Fast forward to the end of next summer and the treatment phase comes round again once more. Other beekeepers close to my hives who've decided to use apistan might well find the treatment is not very effective at all because the varroa in their hives originated from my hives which have resistance to apistan Ultimately, it could cause the collapse of that beekeeper's colony through no fault of their own. Don't just think of it as a problem for you and your bees, it could become a much bigger problem for us all. So whatever treatments you're using, make sure to read the instructions and remove it from your hives in good time. I suspect that most of you will have already removed the treatments from your colonies. Finally remember to dispose of any waste material you have responsibly. If in doubt check with your local council for advice. While we're on the topic of treatments I had some interesting conversations about Varroa treatments last week with some very experienced beekeepers and it got me thinking about what we do and why we do it. I always like to think that I'm open to new ideas I'm always happy to have my mind and opinions changed if someone can offer me an alternative view on a particular topic, and I'm always looking to become a better beekeeper. The conversation started simply enough with a comment from one beekeeper who said that he hadn't seen many varroa mites this year in any of his colonies. This was followed up by a couple of other beekeepers expressing similar views. I have to say, I also haven't seen many Varroa in our own colonies that we had this time last year. The biggest challenge has been those colonies that we bought in and those on the face of it don't appear to have been treated or the treatments were totally ineffective. But it got me thinking that maybe our treatment regime was working well and it was probably that these other beekeepers were using the same kind of routines to manage Varroa so I asked them about their timing of treatments and what they used. If I could narrow down the process and discover maybe an alternative way of treating our colonies it might save me an amount of time and money. Well it turns out it was exactly the right question to ask because it opened up a conversation that lasted for quite a while. It turns out two of the beekeepers I was talking to follow the same routine with many many honeybee colonies and over many years and they'd been getting really good results year in and year out. And I was somewhat taken aback by the simplicity of their treatments. You can probably tell I'm trying to drag this out as long as possible. I was kind of hoping that some of you are at the point of talking to your podcast app, telling me to get to the nitty gritty. Okay, well, here it is. Their treatments involve one oxalic acid treatment trickled into the hive as normal in late December that's it, nothing else. Nope, no thymol, no amitraz, no tau fluvalinate, no formic acid, no essential oils, no dancing naked at the next full moon, just a single oxalic acid treatment in late December and not even checking to see if it's a broodless period or not. Is it really that simple? Could it be that we've all been wasting our time and money on a variety of different treatments that, To be fair, all seem to work in one way or another, yet these beekeepers, using a single dose of oxalic acid, seems to be enough for their colonies to do very nicely, thank you very much. That being the case, we may all be spending money on treatments that are not necessary, there's a large can of worms looking up at me on my desk right now and I'm not sure that I can get the lid back on I'm sat here beginning to wonder if I didn't mishear what was said but I know I didn't because I kept asking the same question well more of a statement than a question or maybe both one treatment of oxalic acid in late December and nothing else yes came the reply several times over they must have thought I was mad or something but they were being very patient. So that's a large spanner about to be thrown into the varroa treatment works from my perspective. Ultimately, what we're trying to do is to get rid of varroa as many as possible before the start of the new active season. The fewer varroa we have in each hive, the later in the season they will become a problem, if problem they become at all. Each of us chooses a course of action which may or may not involve using treatments in our colonies and we deal with the results. If I can effectively treat my honeybees using just oxalic acid and get rid of all the other treatments I would do it in a blink of an eye. The question is dare I? It's too late for this year because I've already treated with apistan but actually I do have a very small number of colonies that didn't get treated so maybe I can go with just the oxalic acid treatment for those hives and see how they compare. If it were to work it would save me hundreds of pounds a year and reduce the amount of work required in putting those treatments into the hives and then removing them a few weeks later time I could better spend chatting to you lovely people here in podcast land at least I have some time to think it all through and decide on my course of action I'll let you know which way I go don't forget to check out my website www.norfolk-honey.co.uk and for my latest videos and podcasts with more updates tips and techniques it's the same patreon page www.patreon.com Forward slash Norfolk honey. And remember, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was beekeeping short and sweet.